0: Welcome to the Dragons Y'all podcast show. We are excited to break down each week every episode of the new HBO series House of the Dragon. As you know, we have just seen episode one and we enjoyed live tweeting with you guys under Dragons Y'all hashtag, which is the name of our show as well. So... Let's get right into it. We are going to go ahead and dive into The Heirs of the Dragon, Episode 1. And my name is Jamie. I am your host, along with Angelica and Ryan. And the way the format of this show is, Angelica is our moderator. She sets up the outline for the episode. And both Ryan and I chime in and give our two cents of what we think about each of the different scenes and break down our thoughts and opinions and Angelica chimes in as well as we do our deep dive into the episode. So sit back, relax and enjoy this episode of the Dragons Y'all Recap Podcast Show, The House of the Dragon Recap. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Dragons Y'all Show. We are very excited to chat with you guys. Right now, after the HBO broadcast of House of the Dragon, we are doing a recap of episode one. I have Ryan and Angelica here to talk with all of you guys, and my name is Jamie, to Go into and go all in on House of the Dragon, which made its premiere tonight, Sunday, August 21st on HBO. Ryan Angelica, um, happy to have you guys to talk about all things related to the a song of ice and fire fandom again. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, all about them dragons? Dragons,
0: y'all. <laughs>
2: Hashtag dragons, y'all. Um, yeah, I'm very happy to be back. It's been like what 3 years now since we podcasted about this fandom so i'm super excited to get into it with you guys um so i just want to start off uh, for this first episode what what are your thoughts like how do you feel like this is going to live up to game of thrones
0: i i really love the fact that it just goes right into the action like there's no heavy exposition. There's no story building. Like we're, we're not waiting several episodes in to build up a story arc. We're just going right into the action. And if they keep up with this momentum, I would arguably say that it will be better than Game of Thrones. Um, so I'm very excited for just watching this very first episode to see where the story will go.
1: Oh wow, that's pretty high praise. So well, what about you, Ryan? Yeah, I you you guys know I was sold when the dragon hit the screen first. I was like, Yeah, let's get it. When I was like, all we gotta do was start with the dragon and I was sold. But yeah, I, I do I'm with Jamie. I love how it goes right into it. Um, you know, you get a little bit of the theme, a little bit of the score, or whatever, and then you jump right into the action. Um, you know, they give you a little history so you're not completely like, What the heck's going on? But yeah, I love that it jumps right into you get like a real good sense of like each character, like what their buttons are and where they coming from. You think, I mean, you know, it's that it's that Game of Thrones world and that you know that George R, uh, George R R, R Jar-Jar?
2: <laughs> <Not Jar-Jar.
1: laughs> Jar 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 Jar
2: Jar
1: Jar 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 R Jar 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 R R. If I get my words out, good Lord. Um, but yeah, it's this world of like, you know, where you never know the twists and turns, but it's it's just, it's cool. I, I'm I'm a fan. I love like the badass women it's representing. So, and you know, it's got that like, them cringy scenes too, where you like, oh, I'm back in this world. I'm back in this world. Cause I need to look away, but I got to figure out what's going on with the story. So yes, yeah, it's, it's good. What you think, Angelica? Um, well, I will
2: say probably the reason why they're able to dive in is because this world has already been built. It's just happens to be 200 years before so we're familiar with house targaryen we're familiar with king's landing westeros the dragons so we didn't have to do a whole lot of exposition um because we've been here before um i really did enjoy it it actually once i kind of get into the breakdown of the episode it kind of gave me a little bit of lord of the rings vibes and i'll get into why but i really really enjoyed it um and i can't wait to see the rest of the series and see where this story
0: goes I am very yeah. curious about your Lord of the Rings vibes uh, <laughs> theory on I'll that.
2: Explain it. it's, it's 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 like more of the aesthetic and I'll get into it. But first, okay. I want to break down the great houses because while we are familiar with Restoros, there are different houses this time around. Now, of course, there's House Targaryen, which we know from the series, Game of Thrones. Um, when we meet them in Game of Thrones, they're a dying house. There's like what, three Targaryens known alive. Um, They're kind of spread out throughout Essos and Westeros. This time around, the Targaryens are at the height of their power. They've been um, in Westeros for about 100 years, so post Aegon's conquest. And if you ever read the timelines for uh, Fire and Blood, which is the the historic text that this uh, sequel, or not sequel, prequel is uh based on or even Game of Thrones a Song of Ice and Fire the time is like almost like our times like before Christ after you know after Christ or I don't think I don't think that's right but it's AC which is after the conquest or a- after Aegon's conquest so at the time that the show opens it's 101 AC uh, after the conquest which is 100 years after Aegon's landing so the Targaryens have been ruling for about 100 years at this point so we have House Targaryen, which is ruled by Viserys the First, not the same Viserys from the original series. This is a much nicer Viserys, um, and his daughter Rhaenyra Targaryen. And then we also have House Valerian, which is allies of the Targaryens. So they're all from Old Valeria, the blood of the Old Valeria. They had the you know the silver hair. They're um not ruled, but their their head of the household is Corlys Vel- Velaryon. And then he's married to Rhaenys Targaryen, which is a cousin of Viserys. And then lastly, we have Heis- House Hightower, um, which is an old family, an ancient family that kind of descended from the first men. And they live in Old Town um, and they well, they're not. Headed by Otto Hightower is the second son. So he is the son of the Lord of Hightower. Um, He also happens to be the hand of the king. And then there's his daughter, Alicent Hightower. So those are kind of the key players when the series opens up. So now that we've kind of defined who's who, let's kind of get into the episode. So we get a cold opening, which same thing that happened in Game of Thrones. You get a cold opening. Um, with no title card, it just jump right in. The reason why I said it gave me a Game of Thrones vi- or not Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings vibe was the voiceover, because it kind of reminded me of um the Elf Queen. I uh, her name I forget her name, but you know how Kate Blanchett's character opened up with like the Earth is calling or whatever, oh, and she <laughs> yeah, yeah. and she explains like what happens in Middle Earth. Well, Rhaenyra's which is an older version herself, if I get that right from her voice, um, who's played by Emma Darcy, she recalls the events of the Great Council of 101 AC. So basically what's happening, what we see this first scene, is a Great Council has been called by the old King Jaharis who, you know, he's he's getting up there in age and his two sons have tragically passed away. So the line of succession is in question. So now they have to figure out, well, who's going to be the next heir? So he calls a great council to Hall, which we're all familiar with. So over a thousand lords arrive to be part of this grand council and they vote. Um, in favor of an heir so there's 14 claims to the to the throne 14 claims of succession but only really two are considered viable Uh, the first is princess rain rainies not to be confused with Rhaenyra uh she's played by Eve Bess she's the king's oldest grandchild and then the second contender is Viserys Targaryen and that's the king's oldest grandson but he's the young he's he's the younger cousin of Rhaenys. So ultimately, you know, due to her sex, Rhaenys is passed over and the the throne goes to Viserys Targaryen. It Kind of leaves a bad taste in the mouth of <laughs> the the Valerians in the, and she's a Targaryen as well. Rhaenys is married to Corlys Valerian, So they're not too happy about it, but nonetheless they are old um a old friends or they have a long running alliance with the Targaryen so they support the claim so any thoughts on that opening how did you guys like that scene
1: yeah I was gonna add um I saw like an interview with Eve uh best and she really like she hardcore fits this role like they were asking her questions and it was like she had just stepped right out of like uh the 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 you know the castle or something or by the throne I don't know she was just very like her answers were very like Sort of mysterious, kinda of right to the point. But yeah, I can't wait to see how she dives into this. And I love the looks that she gives. Like, okay, so you gonna pass me up. And like she's always off to the side, like kinda of have her like uh side comments. I know you'll probably get to that later on. Um, when they get to the tourney and everything, but yeah, I I like her as this as the um in this world. So this is gonna be cool. I'm excited to see what she does.
2: Yeah. And she kinda reminds me of like a mix of Olena Tyrell and a little bit of Cersei. Mm. Like, she has okay. kind of, like... yeah yeah, 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 yeah. She's not evil, so I'm not going to call her a Cersei, but she kind of right, right, has yeah. the same swagger, but then she has, like, the wisdom of Olena Tyrell and mm. kind of knows how to be a, yeah, I like that. a good player. So I, I'm mm-hmm. definitely feeling her character.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm definitely feeling her character. I, I really love, and I mentioned this in our last podcast about um, Viserys. I, I just love the dynamic between these two characters, and I know we're going to go into Viserys a little bit more. But um, so far, he's one of the most compelling characters I've noticed in this episode. And um, it's just the inner conflict that he has to deal with at this point, um, being named king over his cousin. Um, I mean, you even see the inner conflict in his face when he's named um, king by Jahara's um And I think that that am I saying his name right? Yeah, Jaharis, Jaharis,
2: Jaharis, Jaharis. Yeah, I forget the pronunciation, but close enough. Tomato, (laughs)
0: tomato, whatever. Um, But you, you you see that you see that inner conflict in his face. Like he's not really. It's not something that he's celebrating, you know. Like you just became king, dude, and he's not really happy about that. And he's like, the first time. It's the first time you see a king that actually shows some sort of like. I don't know, some sort of, like, sympathy and, like, shows some sort of, like, human character and, and <laughs> like, he cares. And yeah. um, I I think I really like that about this particular king. And um, so far, I'm just, I'm really here for for Viserys in a, in a way that, well, I, we'll talk about it more, but th- there's, there's things about Viserys that, I really I like about him and then there's things about him that I'm like giving him a large side eye like really dude. So, yeah, but again, that that conflict, it's just it's so compelling. You're just like, "Wow, I you don't sometimes you don't know if you want to root for the guy or if you just you know, you're like, "I I can't be on your side this week, dude. Like that that was a bad call." So,
2: yeah, and I think um a lot of his inner conflict also has a lot to do with the fact that Jaehaerys, the old king, ruled for 60 years and he was considered one of the greatest rulers in Westeros' history. So he has a big big shoes to fill. Um and yeah, it, that's not that's not an easy task to kind of push on someone that was really never meant to be king. Mm-hmm. Um and I will say um the series is played by the incredible Patty Khan Sedine. So shout out to him. Uh, <laughs> so next we skip forward nine years into Viserys' reign, which what I thought was interesting about this series is that they they're not afraid to time jump <laughs> to kind of move the story along. Whereas Game of Thrones, it's stretched out like what not eight or eight seasons over the course of maybe two or three years. So, already we went from 101 to 100 and, uh, 110. So, already nine years have passed. Um, Jahiris... I'm sorry. The series is in his ninth year reign it's been about and then I like the title card that it shows the sigil for the for House of Targaryen which is a three-headed dragon and then it mentions that this is 172 years before the death of the Mad King Ares and the birth of his daughter Daenerys Targaryen so Daenerys gets a shout out um in this series and it kind of makes me sad because of what happened to her (laughs) you know what's going what her end will be but I kind of like that reference um, so, as Ryan had mentioned before, we kind of dive right into the dragon. So we have this beautiful aerial shot of Princess Rhaenyra Targaryen, who's now played by Millie Alcock. Um, she's about 15 or 16 years old. She's soaring through the sky. She's going across King's Landing on the back of her yellow scale dragon, Cyrex. And I love how... We are very familiar with King's Landing and it looks the same but it doesn't. So like the red keep is not as grand as it was in the time of, you know, Cersei, but it's still beautiful. The city isn't as large, but it's still pretty big. And then one thing that I really liked to see was the dragon pit. So the last time we saw the dragon pit, it was in ruins, obviously because all the dragons had died out except for Daenerys's dragons. Um and that's where the 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 Great the the great the grand the great council met to that and uh, elected Bran Stark to be uh, the king, uh, Bran the Broken. When um, you know we, we're not going to talk about that ending because we already broke that down three years ago. But <laughs> it was nice to see the dragon pit in its glory. Um, so the dragon pit is where the Targaryen dragons are held, and I love the fact that. They have dragon keepers, like zoo keepers who who corral the dragons into their little caves and they speak high Valerian to them. Um, so I thought that was a pretty cool thing to establish. Because we never saw in the previous series the, Tar- uh, the, Tar- the Targaryens and their dragons and their glory. So anyways, Rhaenyra hops off her dragon and she's greeted by Sir Harold Westerling, who is a member of the Kingsguard. And he's played by Graham McTavish. And if you're you know a fan of Outlander, he was Dougal and he was so great in that series. So I can only imagine what he's going to do for this show. So he greets her and he's like I'm glad you know every time you land I'm so relieved because I'm glad you're alive because he's a king's guard. He's kind of supposed to protect her so she dies on her dragon. That's his head. And yes he has a tough job ahead of him. So he's uh, she's also greeted by Allison Hightower who is the daughter of the Hand of the King. She's played by Emily Carey Um, and I, I thought this scene was kind of funny. Uh, Allison's like, "Oh my gosh, Cyrex has become so big," and Renera's like, "Well, you know, she's big enough to see two people now," and she's like, "I'm good. Like, I'm gonna stay. <laughs> I'm gonna stay here on the ground." <laughs> so, thought that was pretty cool. They return to the Red Keep, you know, hand in hand. You can tell they're gal pals. Um, and we see some familiar sights. We see the Red Keep. We see, like, the courtyard that was pr- really famous when Thursday kind of painted the whole map of Westeros there. So there's some familiar places for us. And she ends up visiting her mother, Queen Aemma Targaryen, who's played by CN Brooke, who's resting in her chambers. And she's really pregnant. Like, you could tell she's about ready to pop. And she kind of, like, chides Rhaenyra for flying while she's in her condition. And then is like, you don't want me flying... In- you know, in any condition, <laughs> let alone when you're pregnant. Um, And I kind of like this scene because it establishes Rhaenyra's personality. Um, You know, thus far, we've kind of seen Targaryens, even though they were kind, like Daenerys was kind, they're still really fierce. Rhaenyra's is kind of laid back and she's kind of a like a free spirited teenager, but she's also really sweet. You know, she checks in on her mom. She's like, how are you doing? I know all these people and all these servants and attendants are asking about the baby, but how are you? Um, And her mom's like, you know, one day you're going to be in this bed and you know, you're going to suffer the same discomfort, but that's what we do to serve the realm. And then once again, her personality shines and she says like, I'd rather serve as a knight and ride into battle. (laughs) You know? And the queen's like, well, the child, you know, the birthbed is, is a battlefield and we have to face it with a stiff lip and it kind of foreshadows what happens to the queen later on in the episode. So I'll pause there for you guys, for your thoughts.
1: Um, yeah, I, th- that scene was very much telling about what the, you know, how the women are viewed. If you didn't already know, you know, like you, they kind of already established the world a little bit. Um, but yeah, having that mother daughter conversation and um you know, there's, there's several parts where she alludes to like, you know, I, um, you know, how they allude to like the birth and like how important that is and the air. And, um, but yeah, I love Renee is kind of, uh, hitting back at it where she's like, look, I'm, I'm going to be a warrior. I want to fight, you know, she's not here for the rules, which, um, I thought was real cool. Yeah. So, um, and you know, I, I forgot to speak up when you talked about the hitting the dragon pit, you know, that was a, I love that. Um, but yeah, they and, you know, them, um, the the dragons kind of got a little attitude a little bit, too, because, you know, they're not going to go into the pit easily. So I can't wait to explore and see how like each person that rides on the dragon and, you know, which one matches up. But yeah, I like I like this opening. Also, too, I was going to ask you, Angelica, what's the theme to Game of Thrones playing? But like a up like a faster beat on it. Or was that just some like a song they put in there? I'm just curious.
2: I don't think the score is necessarily original. I think you still get the dun, dun, da dun, 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 but like a variation. It's like a variation of it. Um, which I like. Cause it, like, again, it, it calls back to familiarity and you're just, you know, I, it's a great theme. So why not keep it going? Yeah.
0: yeah. And by the way, the same composer of game of Thrones is the composer on house of the dragon. So
2: nice. he he's I know he's got like hella awards <laughs> for all the and, for all and, the and hella, hella money. money, yeah. yeah. I don't think he just did Game of Thrones. He's done a bunch of other like really big oh, yeah. shows. Um I forgot his name.
0: It's Ra- Rajaman um, Daiwan or something.
2: We are so sorry, Sarah, but shout out Hi. to you. <laughs> sorry, I know, I am you. slaughtering
0: <laughs> your name. <laughs> we'll 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 Google it in a minute. Um I you know, for me, I think um I loved seeing Cyrax. I, I love seeing like Cyrex made, you know, their debut. I don't know. Is Cyrex a, a girl?
2: Yeah, yeah, she's a girl. Okay.
0: Cyrex made her debut. And I just love seeing that opening um, at the beginning with her and Rhaenyra. And yeah, that was cool seeing, you know, the 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 dragon keepers corralling her. I I, I don't think, yeah, like you said, Angelica, we've never seen that before in the Game of Thrones. Uh, TV series, so that was really awesome. It was they're like little zookeepers, yes, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, but it was funny because all they had was like these little sticks, and I'm like, really, <laughs> you think that's gonna be enough to <laughs> to help? Um, so I don't know. Maybe that was more like a little prop or something. I, I don't think that that's gonna help corral um, a, a beast as big as a dragon. But um, but yeah, all the same, it was it was cool seeing that moment. And, you know, I as far as the moment between Rhaenyra and her mom, uh, Emma, I thought that that was a really, she reminded me in that exchange, because she said that she didn't, I think she used the term she wanted to, she'd rather be a knight, right, when her mother had mentioned um, that, you know, child rearing in and of itself is its own battlefield and that she prefers to be a knight. She reminded me very much of Aria in that oh, moment. Sure. I was just like, okay, this is Aria like 2.0 right here. So um, I, I just like the fact that we've got another strong, independent female character on this show, which obviously we're going to see how that evolves um, throughout the season. But yeah, I she, she's obviously a rule breaker. She, she is on her own path. And um, I'm I'm absolutely here for it. So, it was it was it was a re- it was a very great moment to kind of see those parallels between her and that character. Um, so yeah, and I
2: thought it was cute. Her mom was like, "Take a bath. You smell like a dragon." You know, yeah, you, you <laughs> that's like the the Westerosi equivalent of "You smell like outside."
0: <laughs> like,
1: yeah, they were hating on that dragon smell. I was like, okay, they must.
0: Well, I mean, you know. you've heard the term "you got dragon breath," so you know. I mean, oh, it, it yeah, is, I forgot
1: about that. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's kind of rough. It's not a kind pleasant. Of funky. Uh, yeah, yeah kind of
0: funky. <laughs>
2: so, uh, next we kind of see King Viserys This is the first time we see him ruling, um, and you can tell he's a very like joyful, happy-go-lucky, upbeat king. Not something we're used to seeing with Targaryen kings. Uh, you know, the last Targaryen king we saw was the Mad King. Um, so he's like cracking jokes at his small council. Um, and then I also like how, despite the fact that she's a woman, um, he still involves Rhaenyra. She's the cupbearer for the small council. So she can't, even though she's not the heir of the throne at this time, he's still in kind of his own way, you know, setting her up to rule because she's listening in on these really important conversations. Um, so, you know, he's cracking jokes then he's interrupted by Corliss Velaryon, who's also known as the sea snake. And, you know, he's a legendary seafarer in his own right. He's the master of tides. He's the master of, of Drift, Driftmark, Drift, yeah, Driftmark, which is the seat of his home or his house, I should say. So he's a pretty big deal. Um, and I believe he's going to get his own spinoff series as well. I think it's tentatively titled the Sneak snake, the sea snake. So we'll see more of him in his younger years when he was exploring the unknown, you know, lands of Westeros and Essos. And like, I, you know what, you know what I realized? Um, George never really named the, the planet. Like he named the continents, but he didn't name like the world. Like middle earth is middle earth. And then it has like the Shire and stuff. But this, You know, what's beyond Westeros and Essos? That should be named. But anyway, my little sidebar. (laughs) So anyways, so... So Corlys Valerian, it's not not a podcast without me ranting. So uh, (laughs) Corlys Valerian um, interrupts the jokes um, with news of the Triarchy, which is an alliance of the free cities uh, across the Narrow Sea and Essos. They're currently um, ridding a region known as the Stepstones of a Pirate Infestation. Um, and you know, the person that's kind of in charge of this is a man known as the crab feeder for the, um, interesting way that he torments, uh, his captives. And you can imagine, you know, a crab feeder, what happens there. Uh, and he's kind of styled himself as Prince Admiral of the Triarchy. So Corliss is rightfully concerned that if the free cities is basically encroaching upon land that Belongs to Westeros, what's to stop them from invading, you know, his home and shutting down their ports? So he's very concerned. For whatever reason, he's not really being taken seriously. They're like, oh, let them get rid of the pirates. What's the big deal? So then they kind of shift to discuss the King's Tourney. And we're familiar with the King's Tourney. There was one for the hand in season one of Game of Thrones for Ned Stark. This one is going to be in a celebration of the upcoming birth of the King's son who he's very adamant he's having a son, you know, he's going to finally get his heir. So they're concerned, they're like, well, why are you throwing this part of your, you know, the, the the baby isn't even born yet. He's like, oh, it's going to take a week for the tourney to end. The baby's going to be here by then. Let's, you know, let's, let's talk about it. Um, so you can kind of see that he's no Robert Baratheon. Um, but maybe he's not taking his responsibilities as, as as much as he should being that he's so concerned about having this male heir so the patriarchy you know what I'm saying <laughs> so later uh, Rhaenyra meets with her uncle Daemon Targaryen who's played by Matt Smith and when we had our podcast episode and spoke with Greta uh, the host of the official game of the or House of the Dragon podcast she was saying that how she loved Daemon Targaryen and his swagger and I could see it. I was with it. Um, she, go, she meets him in the throne room, almost in secret, because he's been away from uh, King's Landing for a long time. And he's sitting on the Iron Throne. And although this scene was never shown on the original series, um, it reminded me of Jamie Lannister because um, he was said after the sacking of King's Landing to be sitting on the Iron Throne when Ned Stark entered the throne room. So it just kind of gave me that same vibe, like this really arrogant, you know, strong warrior who kind of likes to bend the rules. At least in this case, uh, Damon being the younger brother of the king, he's next in line to inherit the throne since at this point there is no son. So they speak in Valerian, which is it's nice to see a high Valerian conversation. We didn't get much of that in Game of Thrones because not many people spoke it. So they're having this conversation in High Valyrian, and she's basically teasing him, like, "Why are you sitting on the throne?" He's like, "Well, this is gonna be my throne one day." And then she's like, "Well, if the baby is born and it's a boy, you're gonna be unseated." And he's just like, "Ha ha ha ha!" And they're kind of flirty. It's giving me a little bit of Cersei
1: and Jamie. Um, I'm sorry, some Jamie, was that you or Ryan? That's me. I, I was I was agreeing with you. I, I definitely thought it was like some flirting going on there. I was like, "Oh lord." I was like, better go left. But yeah, because he was pulling on the swag. He did have the swag sitting in the... I was like, nah, no, he ain't sitting on the iron throne, though.
2: Okay, I got a little bit of the vibe. um, And especially when he, like, he gifted her a Valyrian uh, steel necklace. And, like, he just lingers a little bit too long when he puts the necklace, you know, over her. Yeah, that little neck rib. So I'm just like, mm, alright, it's not unusual for Targaryens to uh, intermingle with their relatives, so I was just like, mm, okay, we'll see how this plays out. Um, <laughs> so, you know, he does not take down his niece in this episode, but he does take down Uh, A a whore from Lisa. I'm sorry I'm using whore but they say it all the time in this series like so frequently. Like whore. Anyways, so he's uh, being pleasured by this woman called Masaria and she kind of plays a a bigger role later in the series. Um, She's played by Sonoya Mizuno and he's basically just kind of complaining to her. You know, he can't really... I don't want to be vulgar, but he can't really, like, finish because he's, like, just so overwhelmed with all the things that are happening. And she's just there to, like, pick him up and, like, you're going to be a great king and I got your back, that sort of thing. So you can tell that she's setting herself up for something by being such a close confidant of his. So, And you can
1: also tell that we back in uh, GOT because that's the scene we get.
2: Yes, boobies, (laughs) uh, sex position.
1: (laughs) While they try to have a serious conversation, I was like, Lord, we back.
2: You know, it's a thing. You can't have, uh, you know, Uh Game of Thrones and not have boobs.
0: Um, (laughs) Number one, um, Steve Toussaint, give this man an Emmy already, because I'm already ready for this guy to get an award. He is absolutely compelling as Corlys Velaryon. I'm ready to see where this character goes as Sea Snake. I love that he is very defiant already. Um, I'm also scared. Because it's like, okay, dude, I, I know that you are a member of the council and that you're a very important key player, but, um, you know, the king can still have you <laughs> killed if he wanted to. Um, so you, you, you got to be still, you got to, you know, check yourself uh, at the end of the day. Uh, but I, I love the fact that he wants to make sure that his house is protected. And um, by all means, um, he'll speak up when things are not in alignment properly. Uh, The crab feeder is someone that I'm concerned about that. That guy sounds scary from what he describes. He's like, okay, based off of the name crab feeder and what he does to his victims. I'm like, okay, what, what does he do to his victims with crabs? I'm, (laughs) I'm curious. So um, I, I want to know what that character is all about. So That'll be very interesting. Um, and then, yeah, as far as your comments about uh, Rhaenyra and Damon, I didn't get the sense that there was any kind of chemistry between them. I got the sense that there's just a stronger kinship between the two of them and that he was just trying to um, sort of strengthen the bloodline of who they are as Targaryens by gifting her that Valerian steel. Um, if that kind of makes sense. I, d- I just didn't see it as something that was romantic. Um, I just thought it, of it something that was more of just, okay, this is, this is something that's just a part of who we are as, 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 as family. Um, so that, that's what I got out of it. I don't, again, I don't know. I didn't read fire and blood, so I, I don't know <laughs> how mm-hmm. this will play out, but, um, I, I do find that the dynamic between Damon and Rhaenyra a far more interesting and more healthier dynamic than what we got from Viserys and Daenerys. So at least uh, at least we're seeing a more healthier relationship as opposed to a tempestuous and toxic one. So that that's something to feel at ease with as this. As this show continues. Um, so yeah, that that's my take on it.
2: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't saying like romantic per se, but I saw flirty. And it could be fun, like, you know, they're they almost seem like equals. They like to spar with each other. So it was just kinda like they're a little cutesy.
0: Um yeah. And by the way, I wanted to add too, as far as um Damon and his his whore, I guess. You know, (laughs) <laughs> goes um he he reminds me he, again i'm i'm i am going to probably associate these characters with game of thrones which most fans will probably do he reminds me so much of tyrion in that aspect that he goes to you know promiscuous women when he's dealing with issues uh which is what tyrion was infamous for so um that that is interesting to me uh because this is a man that you know, is supposed to be, anyways, I just find it very interesting that he choose to be with, you know, promiscuous women as opposed to being with a, a wife and being wed to someone, um, which I think he's supposed to, like that's some, he's supposed to be in an arranged marriage or something like that. So, um, he chooses that path and, uh, that was that was that's
1: very Tyrion of him to do so mm. that's me i i was i was agreeing with you I, I definitely thought it was like some flirting going on there i was like oh lord i was like it's better go left but yeah cuz he was pulling on the swag he did have the swag sitting the, I was, on was like, those, like no, those, no, he, no he ain't like, oh, and I, that I'm that, that did
0: last yeah. until he took her out yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: so hopefully this will make sense you know i got hopes but you know yeah that
2: was that was a healthy loving relationship up until the end um so Great. We'll see. We, he could. Uh, this basically, like you said, this could potentially be his shay. So we'll see. Yes. All right. So next, we see uh, Allison and Rainier at the Godswood. And what I really enjoyed about this was seeing a Godswood so far south. Um, if you read the books, I believe it was alluded to that there was a Godswood or something like it. Um, to honor the old gods in the Red Keep, uh, but I believe it was, like, an oak that was made to look like a weirwood tree. Um, But this looks like an actual weirwood tree with, like, a weeping face. So, anyways, they are... Allison is giving Rainier a history lesson, which she's not really taken seriously, and it reminds me of Bran from the first season when he just wasn't paying attention to Maester Luwin. Kind of the same vibe. Like, she is a princess, but she doesn't really care to rule or... You know, do the fulfill these duties. Um, she's, you know, she'd rather be flying on her dragon and eating cake. So, like, very Marie Antoinette of her. Um, and Allison is just like, girl, get yourself together. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I appreciate seeing their friendship. Um, and then afterwards, we see Viserius is being examined by the Grand Maester, who's played by David Horovic and his apprentices. And he has this cut that won't heal. It's kind of foreshadowing of his poor health. Now, we don't know if he has some type of ailment or if just sitting on the Iron Throne is giving him these cuts. Um, If you notice in the Game of Thrones series, the throne room doesn't have as many swords. The throne was said to be melded from a thousand swords of kind of the losers of the targaryen wars and it was said to be very uncomfortable to sit on and the you know the, a lot of the swords are valyrian that were still very sharp so if you sit on the throne you could get nicked so you know Viserys is thinking like oh i'm, I'm getting cut up because i'm sitting on this throne all the time but
0: it that could be he something. had pus coming out of that that is not from sitting on <laughs> <laughs> that is not from sitting on a throne that's to me i think he has like leprosy that's what or, I think.
2: Or maybe um, like an older version of Grayscale or something along those lines. Like, well, they don't really explain what he has, but
0: he has something. He has something. Like that was pus coming out of his skin. Yeah, that I was... thought it was the
1: throne too. I just thought he did something on the throne and just didn't take care of it. But I mean, I guess it could be more dangerous than that, yeah. yeah. I mean, it didn't have the pus coming out of it, but I just thought it was from the throne too. But Because um, he does it again later on. Uh, where I was like, they need to get some cushions on this throne or something. I don't know to tell them. Cause I'm like, this thing is rough. I'm like, what? I don't know. I mean, I you know, it's the whole, it's the Iron Throne. So you got to do what you got to do, I guess. But that thing is just, I was just like, why though? Cause you know they're gonna be sitting on there for like, for I don't know. It just, it wasn't clicking for me. I was like, why? They're gonna sort the king or whatever. The king or queen is gonna hurt themselves on the throne. And he has to worry about battle. They just jab themselves out on the throne. Yeah.
2: It's meant to be uncomfortable, though. Like, it's kind of a reminder of, like, don't get too comfortable. You're not on a cushy seat. You're ruling the Seven Kingdoms. So it's meant to be sharp. Although this is the first time we've seen people being hurt by it versus, you know, Joffrey was laying on that thing like it was nothing. Right.
1: Like, they need some kid safety bumpers or something, like some kind of thing in between. Like, I'm just saying. Oh, goodness. Well, we'll see
2: (laughs) (laughs) what they do to dull the throne. Um, so you know, after he gets taken care of by the Maesters, he visits his wife who's taking a bath. Seems like it's the only thing that kinda gives her any relief. Um, and he reassures her that, you know, they're gonna have a son, he dreamed of it. Um, and I just wanna call back to the fact that Targaryens are said to be sort of mystical. They they might even have the power of prophecy. Um, because the whole reason why they went to Valeria is because of a Targaryen princess that like foresaw the doom of old Valeria, which was basically like a Vesuvius type event that destroyed Valeria. So he's like, I dreamed about it, you know. I dreamed about sitting my son on the throne. Everything's gonna be okay. And she's, you know, she's kind of hesitant because she's had so many miscarriages, so many stillbirths, and she feels like she's failed him. And then she kind of puts her foot down and she tells him like, if this doesn't work out. That's it. This is my last baby. I refuse to mourn any more children.
1: Ugh, that scene was, that scene was sad to me. I, I don't know. Cause it was just like when she talked about like all the miscarriages and just having that drive where it's just like, it's gotta be a guy or a, ma- a male. It's gotta be a male heir. It's gotta be a male heir. And it's like, you can't control like mother nature like that, you know, for there to be so much emphasis on that, like what her body must be going through. You know she's sitting in the tub because she's in so so much so uh so much pain, um and like you said all of this is kind of foreshadow- foreshadowing what's to come, uh, which makes it even like a even uh you know even more rough but at least you kind of get to see their relationship though and how much he cares for her and um that little romance there but yeah that one that one was hard for me because that was hard for me because I was just like man all she must have went through just because they want a male heir like they can't see anybody else on the throne, um yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's kind of that scene.
0: Yeah, I mean, I get the sense that, like, Viserys is like a people pleaser. I mean, he's, of course, all about the politics as well. And he wants to, like you said, Angelica, he's got, like, huge shoes to fill. And he definitely wants to uphold the, the throne and he wants to uphold the legacy of his bloodline. But also... He wants to please people. He doesn't want to disappoint. So he's he's kind of like doing this whole law of attraction thing saying, it's going to be a boy. It's going to be a boy. I know it. It's going to be a boy. And it's like you can't, um, you know, yes, I, I guess you could argue and say in some respects that law of attraction does work in cases, but you can't will that out there. It, sometimes, there are times where things do not work out the way you want it to work out, and um, it's just unfortunate that uh, that this is the way um, that things have to go in in the world of Westeros. That they that this woman has to not only take this huge risk, this huge um, health risk of carrying a child to term, because back in those days, that was almost a death sentence for, for many women to even have a child, but, um, but to make sure that this child was going to be a boy. Um, it's just kind of sad, but you know, that's, that's kind of the way it is. And that, that's really sort of the motif of the show is it's all about the, these gender dynamics and kind of going back and forth of, you know, what, what is more valuable? Um, the, the idea of a woman being born first, or um, a man upholding, um, you know, being a king and 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 carrying the legacy of of being royalty, and I guess that's what we'll find out in this series. So,
2: yep, the patriarchy. Mm-hmm. So, um, so someone who is not a people pleaser, who kind of does what he wants, is Damon. Um, he is actually been named commander of the city watch. Um, previously, they've been kind of like a ragtag guard. He's whipped them in the shape and he's styled them as the gold cloaks, which we know them to be gold cloaks in the Game of Thrones series. Um, so they decide to round up all the criminals in King's Landing and they make a public spectacle of their punishment. Uh, so basically very much eye and eye tooth for tooth if you're a thief you know you get your hand chopped off if you're a rapist you get castrated and they throw all their parts onto like carts and it's just you know it's very violent um and he's not playing no games and he clearly is someone that's extremely ruthless and he has influence on other people to be just as ruthless so I started to see like the bad side of Damon in this, this, this part. He's abusing his power. Like, Sure, you should round up criminals and punish them for their deeds, but this is a little bit much for me. I don't know how
0: you guys felt about that. Yeah, <laughs> there was a moment in that scene where um, I heard in the background, rape her. Um, and I'm like, okay, why are we raping women? uh so you know if this is a woman that did a crime i don't understand why she needs to be raped
2: oh no no that's uh, <laughs> that's what they so they don't have rape it they don't say rapist on the show they call men rapers if that makes sense
0: oh yeah. <laughs> so they weren't
2: raping oh god no i don't think i think damon's bad i don't think he's that bad but yeah they were just like pointing out like thief and then they would chop off his hand and then they'd be like raper and they would like
0: Oh, Oh, okay. I I really thought he said rape her. I was like, what? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, I got got a sense that Damon had got a little bit of joy out of doing that. And um, yeah, you know, making it a public spectacle, as you state, it was just, he was doing the most he was doing the most. And it's like, that, that's not necessary. These are criminals. They, they've done some terrible things. Do the proper thing and just put them, you know, in jail, incarcerate them. That's the way you handle these things. You don't need to be maiming them and castrating them and, you know, cutting off their, you know, dismembering their body parts and all of this stuff. Like that's, that's not necessary.
1: Man, the way he's going, the criminals will just lock themselves up for he come down the uh street or something. I'm like, whoo, he wasn't playing no games. Yeah, like just go, I'ma lock myself up. You know, I'm straight. I don't need none of the, you know, none of the gold cloak list. Just go ahead and lock myself up. I'm good. But yeah, he yeah, he went, he went for it on this one. But yeah, he's 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 still one of those characters where it's like he's showing some of his cars, but I I don't know. I, I still think it's something else. I hope it don't get worse, but um, it's you know still something else behind there, but yeah, you know it's it's definitely a difference between these two two brothers. So this is interesting.
2: Yeah, he's a he's a complicated man. Um, so his actions deeply disturb the small council. They are not with it. Um, Damon kind of defends himself. He's like, well, they're criminals. You know, King's Landing is thought to be a lawless city. I know you guys are you know up in your high tower. You know, no pun intended protected like I'm just trying to clear up these streets we're about to have this big tournament we want to send a message um so he basically gets a slap on the wrist um and you see the dynamic between him and Otto Hightower the hand of the king um who's played by Rice Iphons they are not friends they do not like each other at all (laughs) like it's bad that the king's like you know he's telling otto like why do you let damon work you up you know he does it on purpose like they have a clear rivalry and they do not get along
1: Cause i don't give you guys like sketch vibes he could give me sketch vibes i can't get a read on him yet i think i don't know if he's just pissed off at damon so he's gonna be doing stuff to kind of combat that or he's just something else with he's him he's
2: kind of like peter baelish to me um He's a manipulative. Like, he's right in what he does. But I feel like he wants to bend people to his will by using, like, you know, political machinations and his own own tactics. And Damon can see right through that. That's why he doesn't like him. And then Otto doesn't like Damon because Damon does what he wants. So it's just, they just don't go.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I get the sense that Otto likes the order of things and Damon... Likes disorder (laughs) or he doesn't respect order, and that's where the two butt heads. So, and yeah, Damon, he he low blow with talking about uh Otto's late wife. I'm like, really, dude, you you gotta go there.
2: Oh, yeah, because you we'd mentioned earlier that he you know he's been running around with this whore. I, I love that I can freely say this. Um, he's this is so bad. He's running around with this whore, and he actually has a wife back in the veil. Um, and they're saying, they're saying he's like shirking his responsibilities. He's not attending to his wife in the books. There's really doubt that he even consummated his marriage. So, you know, and Damon despises his wife for whatever
0: reason. So yeah. Yeah. I think I was, I think I was like dancing around that when I was talking about Damon earlier. Yeah and yeah yeah he has a wife at the veil so yes that is that is correct when I was talking when I was making the Tyrion mm-hmm. reference earlier yes. but yes he has a wife at the veil I didn't know if that was something that was a known thing or, or if it was a yeah. spoiler or not but okay
2: now it's known If and he doesn't have a really nice name for her like he calls her like a bronze bitch like he's like oh that bronze bitch like, oh yeah
1: a- he did yeah he said that he sure did now he got a side chick that's straight up disrespectful got to watch him
2: men going to men um (laughs) so we jump into the tourney um so the court is kind of watching the joust and i liked how this tourney was a lot more elevated than what we saw in game of thrones we didn't really get to see a lot it was kind of like janky this is like a full like (laughs) a full arena yeah well you know the budget at the time was pretty small so (laughs) you know They have the full force of HBO's money behind them now. So you have this grand tournament, like gladiator style, you know, a knight's tale style. They're jousting. I didn't catch the name of the Baratheon knight, but he asked for Princess uh, Rainey's favor. And he's like, oh, yeah, let me get your favor from the queen that never was like. Dude, <laughs> mm,
1: mm, mm, mm. the disrespect. It's the disrespectful,
2: disrespect and you could tell she's not pleased by it. But she does, you know. She's she after all, she's a princess, so she just kind of gives him her favor and sits back and watches the show. So that Baratheon knight is unseated by Sir Christian Cole, um, who is a common born son of Lord Darien and he's a Dornish. He's played by Fabian Frankel, and I was he was kind of cute, it's fine. right? It's fine. I was like, okay, I'll see you, Christian. You the new John Snow. All right. New John, new John, exactly.
1: So y'all need a tickets to the tourney. I see, I see.
2: Yes, I mean, Rainier thought he was cute too. They're like, oh, That's guys. where
0: I think there's some some vibes. like romantic, yeah, flirty vibes is between Rainey's and um, Renera's rather and uh, Christian. Absolutely,
2: yes, there's definitely something going down there. Um, so uh, they so basically after. Sir Kristen um, uh, unseats the knight, the Baratheon knight, then it's Prince Damon's turn. And he is just so petty. Who does he choose to joust up against? He chooses Otto's eldest son. (laughs) Like just to spite him, I'm gonna knock over your son. So he does it. He wins. He like unseats Otto's son. And then to add like to add more to it he walks over to Allison which is Otto's daughter and asks for her favor and I was like this guy has no
0: shame <laughs> um, so yeah yeah, so he's, yeah, he's a jerk he's a jerk I mean we, he's, he's giving me Jamie vibes <laughs> again as I compare each of these characters to Game of Thrones characters I'm, I'm getting Jamie vibes from Damon for sure At least in this scene.
2: For sure. And we're going to do this the whole series. We're going to be like, this person reminds me of this person. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. Um, So, and then what I actually thought was interesting about this world is so if you remember from the tourney from Game of Thrones, when um, the Mountain was upset at his like stallion for like throwing him off, he like beheaded the thing and then he started to fight his brother. But like King Robert shut it down. Well, they don't shut it down here. Like, if people start fighting because they're upset they got unseated from their horses, they just kill each other. Like, I was like, oh, my God, this is violent. It was, like, super bloody. And then uh, Princess Rainey's is like, "Uh, the day is turning ugly. And then she's just watching these men, like, smash each other's heads open. It was a lot.
1: It was some kids in the audience. They was like, "Mm, we got to go. Like, we got the wrong seat or something. Yeah, it was going to the left. I wasn't expecting it. I thought you just bounced back a little bit, like a little something. I didn't know they start throwing the axes and everything. I was like, Jesus. It was a lot.
2: And we got a glimpse of um the little uh, Val- Valarian children. Like, I just love seeing, like, black, silver-haired people. Yeah. I don't know
1: why. They were cute. They were <laughs> they cute.
2: Were
0: so they were so adorable. I love it. I absolutely love it. I mean, like, there's, there's
1: biracial kids in Westeros. Who knew? I know. I was like, what? I had to freeze frame it on that.
2: I was like, did I just see that? Yes, and uh, I believe that's um, Elaine and his sister Lena. So I was like, okay, I see the little cutie pies. hmm yeah. Yep. So, um, midway through the twenty, the series gets word that he- that Emma's in labor. So these scenes kind of intercut with each other. So after Damon defeats his um, opponent, now he chooses Kristen Cole. So they go at it. Kristen nearly knocks him off his horse. And, of course, um, Damon gets upset. He gets off his horse. They start to fight it out. Um, But Kristen know how to fight. So, you know, Damon thought he had the upper hand. And then Kristen gets him and he's like, yield. And, you know, Damon yields. (laughs) So What can you do? Um, And then to your point, Jamie, Sir Kristen takes this opportunity, you know, with his victories to request, you know, Princess Rhaenyries for her favor. And she gladly gives it. So I was like, okay, I see y'all. He likes
0: her. He definitely likes her. Yeah,
2: they're into each other. So during all this happening the series is kind of confronted with a really tough choice he learns from the grand maester that his wife is in labor but the baby's in breach so feet first they're not able to get him out they're trying to turn him so he has to make this really hard decision save your son or save your wife those are your two options. And they mentioned there is a method from which the maesters can cut the baby out, which we know to be a cesarean section, C-section. Um, but there's no, you know, Julius Caesar. So (laughs) that's not a thing. Um, and this scene like really broke my heart because he goes to her bedside. He chooses ultimately to save his what he thinks to be his son. He sits at her bedside. He's like, they're going to bring the babe out. I love you. And he, like, holds her hand, looks like, you know, loving husband about to come for his wife. And then, like, all these people hold her down and just cut her open. No pain meds, like, nothing. Just straight, like, alien baby being ripped out of her body. It was a lot.
0: That was really hard to watch. And it it just makes me wonder, like, they didn't offer any like alcohol or any sort of well wait a minute didn't they have what is it something of the poppy to yeah give, they gave her milk
1: of the milk poppy. of the poppy yeah
2: but it didn't dull it clearly didn't dull the pain because you know <laughs> clearly. that
0: Clearly. Yeah. uh yeah I, yeah that that was so so hard to watch and to make and again that inner conflict I so far I'm really loving the writing of this show I'm loving the writing of this show. I'm loving the writing of the character of King Viserys because he's got so many hard decisions to make. And this one ultimately is a huge one right out the gate. Episode one, he's got to choose between his wife and his unborn child, which he doesn't even know is either male or female. So he's making this huge bet on whether or not to save this, ch- this unborn child and and he does, and it's like wow, it, it was such an intense moment. I, it, it was a sad scene to watch, but it was it was incredibly compelling uh, moment to to watch as well.
2: Yeah, and the fact that she didn't get a choice, you know, she didn't get a that's choice all. on her own life. Yeah.
1: Go ahead, Ryan. No, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, that that's what I was gonna say. That that's the part that affected me is that she didn't get a choice because he was just like. He was like, to me, the decision went left more towards him when he was like, oh, they're going to get the babe. They're going to get the babe. And then they start holding her down. And you can tell she's like, okay, what are you going to do? What's going on? Like, she's already in pain, already exhausted, what she's been through already. And he just, they just, like you said, they just start cutting. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, I mean, I know how they think about women in this time period, but it was just like, no question. She's sitting there trying to struggle. Why are they trying to cut her? There's no pain meds um but yeah the choice it was the choice part for me it was just like let me just start cutting on my wife um you know because I think I have a son so yeah yeah I was I was side-eyed and serious on that on that moment like I know like Jamie said there's decisions you got to make but I was like nah bro I it, it was a choice he had me on that one because that one was rough it was rough to see like the and then it's like the blood and everything you know she's not gonna survive yeah that that scene had me so he he lost he lost some points for me on that one Cause I was just like, I couldn't take that one. I was like, no, I was like, no way, no way. Cause he was just like, they hold her down and it was like, get ready. See, and
0: and exactly. And that goes back to what I was saying in the beginning about the series. Like there's moments where I'm like, I, I like kind of sympathize with them. I'm kind of like feeling, you know, kind of like, okay, this guy, he's kind of a likable king. But then there's other moments where I'm like giving him the side eye and I'm like, no, nah, I can't roll with you on this one, bro. Like that, <laughs> that that wasn't a good decision. That that, that was wrong for you to do that. So like, I just like that back and forth that you have with this character. Mm-hmm. Cause there, there is, you know, there, there's no good and evil with yeah. any of these characters. And as a matter of fact, George RR R. Martin said that at comic con, he was like, there's no good and evil with any of the characters that he writes. And you know, that's why he's so good at what he does
2: yeah for definitely i think we would have all respected him if he had sat you know like spoke with her like look this, these are the choices you know are you willing to give up your life to for me to have an heir and if she was like yeah let's do it i feel like that would go on a different way than them just kind of like tricking her into a false sense of security and then just cutting into her body and i've had a c-section you know to have my daughter Obviously, I had all types of pain medication and even that was painful. So I can't even imagine just going into it like, no, we're just going to cut you open. So um, really, really sad scene. Um, He does have a son. His wife bleeds out. They pull the baby out. They confirm it's a boy. But it seems like his decision was all for nothing because the baby dies a few hours later. So, you know, what was the point? Um, and you know, it echoes back to what Queen Amos said, where she said, you know, the birthbed is a battlefield. Um, and she lost that battle in in a bloody and violent way. Um, and that's basically what Rhaenyries feared and what she one day will have to look forward to because she will be required to produce heirs. Can Um, I just say,
0: um, really quick too, is when the baby is born and it's announced that it's a boy king of in that moment he, it's not a celebratory moment he's not like excited he's not happy he's very sad still i mean he's yeah. he's not over as a matter of fact he doesn't even hold the baby he's still over with emma comforting her while she's dead and filled with blood you know he he's still he's mourning over her in that moment and i think again, I went from looking at him with a side eye for what he did, but then like feeling sympathy for him because he felt bad for what he did. And even though he got what he wanted, he, he felt like he still gained nothing out of that because he lost his love. So yeah, it's just, it's tough. It's tough. So I don't know. I just, I felt for him in that moment, even though he did a really you know, crappy thing.
2: And then like perception is, is, is always gonna differ from person to person because at their funeral, um, you know, both the bodies are on top of this pyre. Um, Damon is kinda comforting Rhaenyra, or I'm sorry, Rainera and she says, like, I wonder for those few hours that my brother was alive, if my father was like the happiest he's ever been. So in her mind, like you did all this for this son that you wanted so badly and look what happened. And um, what really kind of breaks my heart about this scene is how the Targaryens handle funerals. So they basically had um, Rhaenyra's dragon light them on fire. <laughs> like So Rhaenyra had to say like Dracarys and then they light the pyres on fire. So it's like, oh, that's kind of morbid. But I guess it's a Targaryen way. Um, yeah, they
1: lit a fire though did that kind of give you like that kind of gave me a Daenerys like vibe scene I forgot where she, where she was where um um did she have to like did she like like a couple guys on fire or something
2: oh she definitely lit up a lot of
1: people you know but it was like the way the dragon was on like on the mountain like on the hill I don't know what scene I can't remember what what the scene is but it was like giving me like uh baby Daenerys vibes because is still like Daenerys is still like kind of young but, um, you know, I know like her aunties and, and um, distant uncles and all that kind of stuff from Daenerys. But I just thought that gave me a little vibe there from the old Game of Thrones.
2: Yeah, you're getting it from um, when she, you know, set Lord Tarly and his son Dickard on fire from okay. A Top of Hill. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. So that kind of ends that scene. Um, so now, you know, the king has lost his wife, he's lost his son, his, his heir, so a, a small council is kind of convened to discuss the king's, uh, new line of succession, because um, now, you know, he, he doesn't have his heir anymore, so Corley, Corley's advises they do have an heir, uh, Damon. and the small council is not down with that. Otto is like, nah, he will not be a good king, he is impulsive, he is violent, um, the entire small council outside of Corlees agrees with Otto. Um, so then, uh, Otto proposed or not Otto Corlees proposes that his wife, uh, Rainey's since she was the oldest, um, descendant of the old King Jaharis. she already had a a claim to the throne why not her and then Otto ends up saying well why not Rhaenyra so then Lionel Strong which is one of the members of the small council he's played by Gavin Spokes he's like nah she's a woman so they're all arguing about who's going to be the next king or queen and Viserys has had enough like he just lost his wife he just lost his son they're like they're pouncing on this 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 air conversation like like, uh, what did he say, like crows or vultures on on, on a carcass. He's not having it. So he, like, dips out. He's pissed. And then the whole time everyone's having this conversation, Damon's spying from, like, behind some secret wall. This guy is, like, (laughs) never, never ceases to amaze me. So he's hearing them discuss, like, you know, him potentially being king and how most people don't agree that he should be king. Um, so Viserys ends up going back to his room and then Otto, as we mentioned before, being kind of, you know, shysty, sends his daughter, Alison, to comfort him. It's a very calculated move. He doesn't have a queen right now.
1: Mm-hmm. I see you, Otto. Ooh,
0: yeah, th- this move, boy, Otto, that, that, that wasn't, <laughs> I'm like, really, your daughter? Okay. So, well, first of all, backing up to um, your what what happened in this, you know, this little conversation here. Corliss is a trip like he he really is defiant in his approach on things. And I like that. I just like the fact that he is very confident and again, like he's protecting his house. And he doesn't care in how he delivers his message and the way he speaks to the king. Um, to the point where, you know, even Otto's like, you gotta remember who you're talking to, bruh. <laughs> you know, like, you, you, you know you're talking to the king, right? Like, so um, I, I, do, I do like that about Corliss, but it, it makes me wonder, like, you know, how far is he willing to go with, with things? Um, and then, yeah, with this move with Otto and Allison. Um yeah, he wants her to comfort the king which tells me that okay, he wants her to be, you know, romantic with him and I don't know, maybe something going on with them where she will hook up with him. Um but I I just, you know, everything is a game. I mean, even though the show is not called House of game. <laughs> House a of game. the game. Um, it's a game. It's it's a literal chessboard with all of these players. And everybody has their move. Corlos has his move, Otto has his move, Damon has his move. And by Damon listening in the background, I am sure he's already got some calculations in his head as to how he plans to move things around. So it'll be interesting.
2: Definitely. And um, I mean, it does work. Alex Allison does comfort the king. Um, she kind of, you know, she lost her mother, so they comfort each other, having that conversation about loss and grief. Um, so the the seed has already been planted for her to be future queen. Um, very much <clears throat> like Boleyn of him, like Anne Boleyn going to kind of court the king, same kind of deal. Um, And I was like, all right, I see you, Otto. Well played. Well played.
0: Um, I get the sense that Alicent, though, was not exactly that resistant. Like, she kind of was like, well, I don't mind being a queen. Like, I kind of am feeling being in this position. And I'm also looking at Alicent sideways because you're really good friends with Raniere's. (laughs) And Raniers is talking to you about stuff And then meanwhile You're having these conversations with her dad And her dad is like you know Just keep this stuff between us You know and she's She's the kind of friend you just don't keep around your guy friends
2: (laughs) She playing a game like you said she's playing a game In a game, yeah. out. So, um so damon you know he heard all this going down and he decides to rent out one of the pleasure houses to entertain his his officers and some of his friends and he gives a speech um that really was kind of pretty poor on his part like just dude what were you thinking so he gives a speech you know toasting his nephew who passed, whose name was Balon, he styles him the heir for a day. So, obviously, word gets back to the series about what Damon said, and it infuriates him. And Damon's such a butthole. He's just like, Well, we all grieve in our own way. Like, <laughs> okay, dude. Um, so, the series is pissed off. He's like, You know, you're celebrating my son's death, and you know, you stepping into being the, the next heir. Well, I got news for you, boy. I'm stripping you of it. So he disinherits him. He basically banishes him back to the veil to be with his wife. And during this conversation, like, Damon's like, look, you're weak. um, And you have all these snakes around you. I'm the only one that can really protect you. And Viserys isn't trying to hear it. He banishes him. And, you know, Damon does what he's told. Um and he kind of gets on his red dragon and flies off with his little girlfriend and flies off. <laughs> so what did you guys think about that interaction?
1: Uh, I don't, i never, I'm probably never going to agree with Damon's approach to anything. Like he just doesn't know how to say anything. Like he just needs to be quiet and, you know, like banishing back to the veil like he was. But I do agree that I think the council is trying to play with uh, Viserys a little bit. I think he needs to watch, Um, you know, when he's in the council meetings and he, you know, he's that like laid back, you know, King trying to, trying to fix everything out. Um, I don't know if weak is the right word, but I do think they're trying to manipulate certain aspects. And it's just like, if you're not watching some of them, some of your so they can kind of slip in. Um, you know, as you saw, like oftentimes in Game of Thrones, everybody always trying to grab for something and slip in. If you're not watching them, um, always under trying to undercut the King. So yeah, I'm a little worried. I'm a little worried about him. Cause I I'm, you know, we don't know what's going on like with him. Like, physically, if something's, you know, he's sick with something, some kind of ailment or something, and then, plus, you got the council going in. Um, so, yeah, a lot of them guys are a little, like, a little, a little shifty, so he might need to keep an eye on them. But, yeah, Damon needs to just, he need to watch his approach and just the way he talks about everything. Uh, yeah, if, you know, if there was a publicist in that time, he needs one. <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, he, and then it's like when he, when he, uh, when he took the, I guess that would be his girlfriend now, I guess maybe he, I don't know if they're riding back to veil. That's like, you know, you show up back at your house and your wife and see that you cheating and you got like a BMW with the girl in there. That's what I felt like that was like, I was like, so he go ride off on the dragon with the girl. And I don't know. Maybe he wasn't going back to the veil. Maybe he was going somewhere else. Cause he got a plan, but, um, you know, yeah, yeah. Damon, uh, you gotta watch him.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, again, with me and the comparisons, it, it's it's hard to ignore the irony in this scene between the two characters of Damon and Tyrion. That like he prefers spending his time in the whorehouse instead of comforting his brother during his darkest hour. So, um, you know, I think. You know him spending that time there, and maybe that's his way of dealing with stress, or even maybe possibly grief. Mm-hmm. And those that was something that Tyrion did. So again, the, the irony there is just again I, I can't ignore that it, the the parallels between those two characters is astounding. Um, and I thought it was interesting that Damon, when you know he confronted his um, his brother Viserys, that we find out that. He's resentful of the fact that he was never appointed Hand of the King. I thought that that was a very interesting fact that we learn in that. Um, so there's a lot of righteous indignation with, with Viserys in that moment. And, um, yeah, he's just like, no, you you going back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you return back the way I sent you, and you go back with your lady wife. Um which, we'll see how that goes, but um, it, it was a very interesting... I just love seeing that dynamic between those two brothers, and uh, very curious to see how their relationship will play out in this series.
2: Yep, and I think um, Damon has uh, sometimes a lack of self-awareness, because no, his brother didn't make him into the king, but Damon has changed so many roles within the small council. He was once um, Master of Laws, That didn't work out, so they fired him. Then he was master of coin. He spent too much money, so they fired him. And then they made him um, commander of the the city watch. So, like, how many opportunities is your brother going to give you? And then you expect him to make you Hannah of the king. Like, get real. Um, So, yep. Off he flies off on his, you know, red dragon Caraxes with his girlfriend at his side. We don't know where he's going to end up, but he's out of there. So, in the meantime... Um, beneath the keep we're familiar with this area um there's a large skull of valerian the great dread um he's the last dragon who lived during the time of old valeria so Viserys is down there he asked reynerus to meet him um Rhaenyra. there's so many similar names on the show i know Rhaenyra. why is it
0: gonna be the same why is it gonna <laughs> be similar or even the exact same name like really Viserys? Yeah, we, can
1: struggle. we can struggle while we pronounce him
0: yeah. And then Aegon and anyway, go on.
2: So Rainer not to be confused with her I guess her second cousin, Rainier's Rainier Ra is had meets with her dad. Um he asked her, like, what do you see in this dragon? And she says, like, I see us, you know, people associate us with dragons. Um, we're almost like gods, but without our dragons, you know, we're ordinary people. And he tells her that dragons are really an illusion you know they should have never conquered these great beasts but you know we still ultimately have to hold on to our power and and the next conversation they have I really really liked it because it kind of ties together the entire series both um the prequel and the main series he speaks of the fact that they have like a great family secret um Years and years ago, during Aegon's uh, conquest, Aegon didn't just conquer the lands of Westeros because of Daenerys, another similar name, Daenerys, Princess Daenerys, having the dream of the doom of Valyria. He also had a dream of his own, which he called the Song of Ice and Fire, where he saw that the world of men would be doomed. So he's basically had a prophecy of the others the white walkers taking over westeros and the only way to defeat them was to have a targaryen on the throne so it is Rey- ray responsibility to keep the secret and pass it along and if the time ever comes where this long winter begins it's on her to keep her power and to basically unite the realm and de- you know save the realm of men um so he tells her like he tells her the story to basically tell her i'm going to name you my heir you know, I'm sorry that I wasted all these years overlooking you, but you're going to be the one. So we see him officially name her his heir apparent in front of all the lords of Westeros. They all pledge their loyalty to her, including Corlys Velaryon. So everyone seems to support her claim despite the, the fact this is the first time that a woman was named, you know, queen of of the Seven Kingdoms. And then we cut to her face and her face says a lot. It's like, I have this big responsibility, but I think I'm ready to tackle it. And then it cuts to black and then we hear dragons in the background, which just reminds me of Game of Thrones in general. And that's where we wrap the first episode.
0: All right. So we're going to have a queen. Yes, (laughs) we think.
1: we believe so yeah it never gets old seeing them put on like when they um whenever you see the the woman take that position of power like that you see her getting dressed up you know the their their crown and um see her kind of did the she did the you know the nod to her dad that I feel like those scenes never get old like that that's gonna be so cool to see how that how that goes but she's gonna need she's gonna need some protection though I can I can already feel that like she needs like a uh I know it's, it was Mormont. What's the the guy that uh Daenerys had um that was kinda like his that was kinda like her uh right hand man so to speak as she was walking around. Lord Mormont. She need Yeah. She needs some I feel like she's gonna need a little extra something. something. <laughs> I feel like you saw some of those guys that were That's like... gonna be
0: Crystal. Uh Chris
2: yeah, Chris yeah. Kristen yeah, Kristen yeah, Cole. Yeah, <laughs> Crystal so,
1: Yeah, there you go. So yeah. So there you go there he is he's gonna there's his, there's gonna be his place right there so hopefully they keep the flirting up because she's gonna need some help because you saw some of those some of those uh guys look a little i was like mm-hmm. get a little side eye was they doing the bow so they have to watch them
2: yeah, she needs her Jorah Mormont. Um, but yeah, like, uh, Jamie's correct. Uh, she ends Stay. up, Kristen
0: is her, is her Mormont. Oh, uh, yeah. And just like Mormont was thirsty for Daenerys, Kristen is thirsty for Rhaenyra's. <laughs> <Ranares>. Okay? <laughs>
1: hey, I ain't mad at it. I'm just saying, I ain't mad at you. I, I mean, I don't know
0: the level of thirst
1: that Kristen
0: has for Rhaenyra's is the same as Mormont's. Because Mormont was a little different. Because, you know, Daenerys looked a lot like his former wife but um and that's why he was so thirsty for her but Kristen yeah he he's feeling some Rhaenyra's Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) (laughs) remains to be seen but you know she's named heir apparent but as we all know I think all of us know a bit of background when it comes to this show um it's 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 you know it's based off the Dance of the Dragons which is a Targaryen civil war between uh Princess Rhaenyra and her half brother Aegon so uh, yeah she got named the Arab but let's see if she actually ends up on the throne um, so yeah that kind of wraps up the first episode so um, I know we didn't get to touch on this we talked about the three great houses but like really quickly which house do you think you would belong to after watching the first episode
1: I don't like that iron throne that thing is painful like they need to put a cushion in there but I would definitely still be house uh, Targaryen Um, I just like the, I just like the drive and determination. Like, it's not like, sometimes it can take them to the left. I granted, I give them that. Um, but I just like how they're going to, you know, put in, put in the work, do what they got to do, um, at a certain point and how people are just ready to like, you know, Renera was like, you could tell she was scared. She was, she was, um, you know, something she probably wanted to do like in the future, but she didn't think it was ever going to happen. Um, because what they were but she was ready to step up and so I, I think I like that about the Targaryens um and you know of course the dragons like obviously you gotta have the dragons so um but yeah how's Targaryen okay Jamie I like the order of things
0: I, I like you know things to make sense and um I I really respect what Otto Hightower is is doing right now um well, to some extent, because I don't I don't like you pimping out your daughter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so um, and and, you know, I, I think the fact that he doesn't like Damon and I, I agree with him um, makes me lean towards House Hightower. So I'm going to rep House Hightower during this season of House of the Dragon and uh, and see where that goes.
2: OK. I can respect it. So, if that leaves me with House Valarian, which I'm so down with because, like, they're black and <laughs> we're black, you know? So,
0: <laughs> no, I'm rooting for everyone black. I'm rooting for everyone black. I'm rooting for everybody black. But also, in addition to their blackness, which is beautiful. Um, they're like the wealthiest family in Westeros, isn't that? They they're like the Tyros, so
2: I'm down with that. They're black, they have silver hair, they also have dragons. <laughs> oh and yeah, the hair is the hair
1: Yeah, the- so
2: they're like black and wealthy and have dragons. Like that right. that's Shoot, that's handsome and wealthy. Oh. Like isn't that like a song by the Migos? Like they and they have their own <laughs> ships, their seafarers. Like they're like, yeah, they're killing it.
0: They're killing they're like it. I kind of want your house. Yes,
2: now. So they're like a cross between the Targaryens, the Tyros, and um the Greyjoys. So like they're all the best houses wrapped into one. So I'm going to rock with Team Valarion. All right.
0: Yep. Yep. If yep. There you have it. I am very excited for, uh, by the way, this episode is The Heirs of the Dragon was the name of the episode and we're excited for next week's episode. So you will see us next week. We will do that recap shortly after it premieres next Sunday. So join us. Please subscribe. Please check us out on wherever you stream your podcasts. We're all on pretty much everywhere spotify iheart apple podcasts you can even catch us on soundcloud um mm-hmm. so tune in and listen in and we'll see you next week yeah. oh oh oh! and don't forget to live tweet with us at hashtag dragons y'all dragons y'all hashtag yep send us what house you repping the dragons y'all podcast is produced by jamie Broadnax. The show is hosted by Jamie Broadnax, Angelica Monk, and Ryan Bennett. You can find episodes of the Dragons Y'all podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeart, SoundCloud, Audioboom, or wherever you prefer to stream your favorite podcasts.